0: Good evening and greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be with you. The faces aren't nearly all familiar like they were 15 years ago, but nevertheless it brings back a lot of memories to come up this road and turn in here and, and uh, worship here once again. We've enjoyed our interaction with the church before we left and since we've left, and appreciate what we hear and what we see, and just want to encourage you to keep on in the ways of God. We've had a good introduction already, and a good reminder that we're all called to follow Jesus Christ. as I reflected on this weekend and on, on having a, a series, on, series on leadership, I'll confess there's times I wondered if I should have said yes, I'll take the responsibility. But let me just assure you tonight that, that my life, as I think about um, what I have yet to learn as a leader... I feel like there's so much to learn, and, and I look around, and I see people that have inspired me and, and people that I think we can, we can take lessons from as leaders and people that point us to the, the great leader, Jesus Christ. And, but let me assure you, I feel like I have a long way to go, and, and this weekend is not one where <clears throat> I want to come across it all like I have this all figured out but rather i want us to be encouraged together because we've already been introduced to the fact that we we cannot somehow bypass this plan of god people are trying people have been trying and you think this is something new but but you know you study the bible and we'll get to we plan to use the account of moses tomorrow morning probably lord willing but but people have been trying to bypass the plan of god for a long, long time, and it hasn't quit today. There's still people that are trying to bypass the plan of God. And friends, if we want to stay on the safe, narrow path that leads us to heaven, we cannot do that. We have to continue to open this book and say, this is the path that's here for us if we want to make it to heaven. And we're going to have to follow that path. And tonight, as we think about the home. <clears throat> courageous leadership in the home and i looked up the words courageous and leadership and this is this is a kind of a theme for the weekend but i'd like to think about what it looks like when you bring these two meanings together courageous has the idea of mental or moral strength to venture persevere and withstand danger fear or difficulty and leadership is the art of motivating a group of people to act toward achieving a common goal. And so tonight as we think about those two meanings, the art of motivating a group of people to act toward achieving a common goal, and I don't really like the word act in there because life, and I think you understand that life is a lot more than acting. Life is doing. So maybe we could just replace that word, a group of people to, to live out achieving a common goal. But you note that word motivating. And I think there's some there's a key there. We'll probably touch on this at some point as well. Probably not tonight. But there's a key there that until you and I are motivated by the life of Jesus Christ and motivated by what the Bible teaches us, we're, we're probably going to come up far short of the standard God has for us. We need to be motivated. And I think as leaders we, we find that burden and and i know the frustration of feeling like we need to be motivating people to do something different but maybe we're struggling in our own uh, in our own selves and not doing as we ought to do or struggling but i believe god wants us to live lives that can be a motivation and something that that turn people toward the lord and not away from the lord many leaders today there's many people and this grips me as we think about the home and the church and society and It's like someone has said, as as goes the home, so goes the nation and the church. And I don't know if you believe that tonight or not, but there ought to be a motivating factor as we think about building our homes. And by the way, tonight, you know, this is talking about leadership, and you can think, oh, well, that excludes me. I don't have any leadership positions in our home. But friends, the subject of the home is big enough that I believe this can affect all of us, whether we're called to help encourage those that are in leadership in the home or or perhaps one day we will be in leadership in the home or whatever the case may be. The, home, the subject of the home is big enough that it covers all of us, and it's something that, that ought to grip us because I don't think and I don't know, you know, it's been a long time since we moved away from here, but I suspect that you're facing some of the same pressures that we are, and homes are under attack. We shouldn't be surprised when the home and the church come under attack because this is something that God has set up to help people get to heaven, and the enemy of our souls wants to destroy these two things. But we need to stand strong in our Christian homes. Let's turn to Psalm 127 and 128 tonight, I'd like to start there. As we think about courageous leadership and as we think about the home, and this is such a beautiful picture, and I realize it comes from the Old Testament, but there's a beautiful picture in the New Testament as well, where it talks about fathers and mothers and children and, and what God desires for the home, and tonight we plan to to talk about parents and talk about their responsibility in the home. But as we think about this picture, we find in Psalm 127 and 128, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children, are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them; they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labour of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. And again I say the Bible lays out a beautiful picture. And tonight I wonder, are we still opening this book and saying, that's the picture I want. Now Lord, you help and and you show me where I'm coming short and where I'm not being what you want me to be so I can have that picture. I believe, I believe families were intended by God to be a blessing, and society has flipped that around and said, you know what, the smaller you can make them, the better. The smaller you can make them, the less work, the less hassle. It's exactly the opposite of what the Bible is saying when the Bible paints a picture of what a blessing a family is. And I trust tonight I'm speaking to a group of people that believes that with all their heart. The blessing of the Christian home It's a tremendous blessing, and note something else. Twice here it talks about the man that fears the Lord, and that's a subject all all in itself, but in verse 1 of Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. In verse 4, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Sometime open this book and look at that subject of fearing the Lord. It's all throughout this book. And friends, tonight we need a new awakening, I believe, in fearing the Lord. And that goes more than just a respect that that comes down to what happens when I disobey him. Society has also told us today that we don't need to worry. God is love. God is kind. God would never send anybody to hell. But friends, we have to keep going by what this book says. And we need a new awakening at fearing the Lord. I'm getting off subject here. But tonight as we think about the blessing that the home is, I'm reminded as I think about leadership and I think about about how a home should function. And again, th- these are things that I have so much to learn about yet. But I'm reminded about this function. I'm reminded of something that happened to one of our employees, and I was trying to think, was it last year or the year before? I'm getting to that age where it's hard to keep track. But this man was driving his truck along, and all at once there's a message on the dash that says, low, engine pr- or low oil pressure, uh, turn off engine immediately. And he did just that. He pulled over and he turned off the engine. And he had the truck towed to a mechanic. And this mechanic evaluated the truck and he said, Sorry, but you're going to need a new motor. And the man said, Well, would you mind if I get a second opinion? And, of course, the mechanic couldn't stop him, so he took it to another mechanic. And I'm not sure if they had first concluded that, but one of the mechanics in that shop said, Now, wait a minute. Something doesn't make sense here. If he indeed needs a new motor, then why is this and this happening? And I don't understand. There's probably mechanics here that that, that could tell us exactly what was going on. But he said, if this truck indeed needs a new motor, why is this and this happening? And he spent three hours researching it, and it pointed him to a little oil screen that cost less than $5 that was clogged. They took it out and replaced it, and that truck is still running today. I've driven it. But you know what's interesting is that mechanic said, wait a minute, something doesn't make sense here. Uh, we, we need to do something different. And I think you and I need to be that kind of person. Well, When there are things in our home, when there are things that we're not happy with, we need to say, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And it's not on God's part. God has given us a picture of how he wants the home to function. And we need to do some more digging and some more research. And let me just say, it's going to take a whole lot longer than three hours. But the rewards are going to be worth a whole lot more than not having to replace an engine. The home has immeasurable impact on how children will tend to spend the rest of their lives. How many children could we go out and find that say, you know what, I want nothing to do with Christianity because of how my home was? And tomorrow morning we plan to talk on the church and how many people could we find today that would say, I want nothing to do with Christianity because of how the church was. Friends, it ought to wake us up. We don't want that for our homes and God help us to be people that are willing to repent. And I'm talking to myself first of all. But when there are areas that we're blind in and we're not being what God would have us to be, that we would repent. I had a stark reminder of this recently. We go to a prison once in a while, about an hour and a half south of us, and the man that's in charge of the, the service is there, he's a Mennonite man, and he said he decided to have a, a sermon one evening on the home, and, and so he thought he'd take a raise of hands, and I'm not sure how many prisoners were there. I, I'm thinking maybe 60, 70, maybe a little more than that, and he said he decided he was going to take a raise of hands. How many of you men grew up in a home where there was a father present? And not one hand went up. Not one hand. And today these men are all incarcerated. Now I have hopes for some of them. We get, go in there and we get inspired. And I hope they've made a change, a lasting change for Jesus Christ. Or by following Jesus Christ. But it ought to tell us something. What would our prisons be like today? if fathers would have been more serious about the role that God had for them. Well, the first thing, and, and the question comes to us, then how can we be leaders that God designed as we function in leadership in our homes? And the first point I have is be a hearer and listener before attempting to be a leader. Be a hearer and listener before attempting to be a leader and there's a fact there that you cannot that there's a fact here that cannot be bypassed in God's kingdom before we're ready to lead we must first be led brother Jonathan already introduced it to us when Jesus said my sheep know my voice and friends tonight I can say this by the authority of the word of God if we don't know the voice of Jesus Christ then we need to go there before we try to lead in any kind of capacity but it's a fact that, that before you're ready to lead, you must first be led. Before you're ready to speak, you must first be spoken to. Before you are ready to teach, you must first be taught. I'd like to turn back to Deuteronomy. It's a very common scripture that we talk about when we talk about the home. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now, God is setting the stage here for, to tell these people then what they're to do. And it says they're to teach them diligently unto their children. They shall talk to them when they sit in the house and when they walk by the way. But it all starts with the fact that it's supposed to be, it needs to be, it must be in their heart first. And tonight there's a there's a question for us as fathers especially and and I'm not trying to exclude anybody because I think it comes to mothers as well and to all of us for that matter but the question is this what is the condition of our devotional life and you know as I think about my own life and my own devotional life and, and I have been far from perfect. But there's a question that comes, that, that goes beyond just the, are you having personal devotions? It comes to what's happening in those devo- that devotional time. Are we hearing from God? Are we connecting with God? Are we feeling, are we finding inspiration with God? And, and I didn't put this scripture in my notes, but, but back in Ezekiel, and I think we just had this in Sunday school, where it says that there was prophets that were, that they were promoting a message that was their own message. It wasn't God's message. And the question comes to us tonight then, are we spending time with God so that the message we're promoting is God's message and not our message? Are we just going through the forms? Are we finding inspiration and instruction in our personal devotional life? And you know, there's a question as we think about homes within the church. And by the way, these three, well, society's a little different. And, and we'll get to that tomorrow evening, Lord willing. But but the way the home is will, will, will be such a reflection of the way the church is. And again, I believe we need to sit up and take notice but I realize that, that the, the attitudes and the philosophies are not going to be all be exactly the same that come out of our homes, but there's still a question that ought to grip us. Where are they coming from? It's really, really easy to just take my background and the things I've experienced and the things I've seen and now say that's where my philosophies will come from. But am I letting God shape my philosophies through this word and through spending time with him. There is no substitute. There is no substitute. I'm reminded of the story of a father, and I heard this in a, in a church service years ago. Maybe I didn't even hear. Maybe somebody just told me about it. I'm not sure. But a minister related this about a father that had disciplined his son. And a little after that, he heard his son in, in the bedroom crying, and he was there crying and he was saying, Lord, help me to be like Daddy. And you know, it so gripped the father that the next person that went into the bedroom and knelt down and cried was the father. And he said, Father, help me to be the kind of father that he thinks I am. Friends, if we're going to be the leaders in our home that God wants us to be, it has to be from a relationship with him. It has to be from realizing who our Father is and who our elder brother is who came to earth to show us the perfect way to live. Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says, And in the morning rising up a great while before day he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. If you haven't recently studied the life of Jesus and I just, we just came through communion and I had the message and I I looked at the life of Jesus a little bit, and friends, there's such an inspiration there because he was. there was times, I believe, the pressures were so great, and especially as he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, after he had kind of turned away from Jerusalem, he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, and he just couldn't wait to spend time with his father. Three times it's recorded that he prayed. The one time it says he fell down on his face and prayed. What's the condition of our personal devotional life? And if the Bible took the time to record of Jesus that in the morning, a great while before day. I think it tells us something. Well, the first part here I'd like to speak to fathers. And here's the message I believe that. And the last thing I want to do is discourage you. I know how it is sometimes we think, well, you know, I, I don't have a devotional life like I should, so I can't lead it. That's never the attitude God wants us to take. God wants us to say, you know what? I don't want to use that as an excuse. I don't want to use that as a cop-out, and I've been there. Where we kind of push this back, and that kind of, by default, pushes something else back, and that's not what God wants. If we have room to grow, if we need to grow, and I think we all do in our devotional life, then let's do it. But then God calls us as fathers to faithfully lead out. And that's the point. When God leads you, faithfully lead out as he has called you to. Let's turn to the New Testament now. Just a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Bible makes this so clear. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, and then we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. We heard that in the opening. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. It couldn't be more clear. It couldn't. God makes it crystal clear here that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. We are called men. We're called to lead out in our homes. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about how we lead out, but that doesn't change the fact that we are to lead out. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. We'll probably look a little more at Ephesians 5, because it says, there, there it's, it spells out exactly how a husband is to lead. He's to lead out with love and sacrifice. And tonight, husbands, I'll say this, and I'm saying this to myself, but the way our homes turn out, there's a lot of responsibility laid at our feet. And I'm not trying to say that children don't need to make decisions. I understand that, but please, let's not use that quickly and easily. Let's take to heart what the Bible says when it says we're to lead out. And the fact that there is going to be, we are responsible. And I believe we as husbands, we as fathers are responsible to look down the road and see potential problems that by God's grace need to be avoided. And let me just say this, let's not just use the negative here, but we also need to look down the road and see directions that we would like our family to go and promote that and encourage that and set a personal example toward that. We cannot expect a home to function as God ordained if we as fathers are not taking our proper leadership role. And you know I'm at an interesting place in life. I've said this at different places where I've spoken and I don't know if there's any others that are about mid 40s. I'm a little south of mid 40 yet but I'm 43 years old, I find it a very interesting position or very interesting stage to be in in life because you look back and all at once you realize that you you can now see what 20 years of decisions looks like. And it's no longer speculation. It's no longer just people telling you, I wonder what that's going to look like in 20 years. No, now you can see what decisions that were made 20 years ago look like today. And I wonder, fathers, have we asked God to show us where are families today that 20 years ago were paying too little attention to devotional life, personal and family, where there was not a high regard for the word of God, where are those families today? Where are families that only attended church on Sunday morning And too much more than that was inconvenient. Where are families today that were often critical of the church and the leaders? Where are families today that were not willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? And where are families today... That we're dabbling with the world and I don't think I have to get too descriptive here because I think we all know what we talk about when we say dabbling with the world. It seems like at times we want to, we want to get as close as we can and it grieves me and I think it grieves God too when we say, well, you show me the line of where the world is and I want to get as close as I can and still be in the church. And I wonder, fathers, I wonder as well, are we aware of the issues that are facing our homes today? You know, there are Anabaptist people that are concluding it's not wise, it's not healthy to discipline children anymore. Anabaptist people. I don't know if you're facing that down here or not. Fun and entertainment are becoming more and more important. Children are growing up slower and slower and becoming less responsible. I hope I'm not talking to anybody this affects. I, I hope I'm just talking to people like I think Well, I have confidence that I am. But I, I'm saying it to encourage you. And I say this carefully. But, and I think the generation when I grew up was saying it. You know, I remember 100 years ago, or hearing about cases 100 years ago, where a 12-year-old was responsible enough to start running a household almost if father was missing. And that changed by the time I was in that position, by the time I was a teenager, it's was older, but now, I wonder where it's at today. And what are we as fathers doing about some of these issues that are crowding in? But let's be careful, too. It's not just children. There's people competing with each other in material possessions, at least where I'm from. It seems like we try to outdo each other with material possessions. Is that the kind of home that God intended? Just a couple ways that a father is to lead and the first one I have is by example. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 3 says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And the Greek word for ensamples and followers both have the same idea, and it's the idea of imitators. And there's a God-ordained pattern there that I believe should still be at play in our homes today, where children can look at fathers and safely imitate what they're doing. And fathers, I know it can get overwhelming, and and we maybe see habits and we see things that we don't want them to pick up. But as we think about what the Bible says that we're to be examples, again, I believe, let's wake up. Let's say, are we allowing God to mold us into an example that is safe to follow? A safe pattern for children to imitate. And sometimes I wonder, are we asking more of our children than we ask of ourselves? I've faced that myself. Are we asking more of our children than we ask of ourselves? Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 tell us something about Jesus Christ. You know, what would we think if he asked more of us than he asked of himself? He came down here and and he went through things that you and I go through. He walked where you and I walk. He faced temptation. He faced loneliness. He faced all kinds of things. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. The Bible tells us that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And I wonder, will we want our children to live life the way we do? You know, we, sometimes we talk about entertainment and things that maybe youth are facing more. But what kind of pattern, what kind of an example are we setting How do they see us responding to problems? How do they see us when we're behind the steering wheel? What about our attitudes? What about the thoughts we harbor? You know these are things that you can, well I can kind of keep these things hidden but friends they'll come out. And our children pick things up that we might be shocked they picked up by how we responded to somebody that they know didn't go over very well. We might be shocked by what they pick up. And you know let's not ask something of our children that we're not asking of ourselves. The Bible says in Romans 2, 3, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. The Bible is very, very clear that we shouldn't be asking things of others that we're not asking of ourselves. And I believe a gift we can give our children is to live what we teach. And as you think back to that dictionary definition Of leading, how it has to do with motivating. There's perhaps no more powerful force that will motivate or turn away. I believe the potential for positive or negative is there, that there's perhaps no more powerful force that will motivate or turn away when we do or don't do as we teach. Very, very important. And I was just recently made aware of this. I, I was talking to somebody that we talked about church, and they said they've left their church, and about three-quarters of the people have left. It's a tragic situation. I'm not that familiar with it, but it's a tragic situation where there was sin discovered in the man that had been leading out for years, and I believe he had been living in this sin for maybe ten years. And you know what gripped me was this. One of his boys had been caught with in sin, had been I don't I think the church dealt with him I'm not sure what all happened but you know the father could have stepped forward and said son I know exactly what you're doing but you know what you're going through but you know he kept it hidden and I'm not sure how many years later now that it comes out that he was involved in some of the same sins as not only a father in the home but as a leader in the church and you know what the son said and I'm not taking up for this but the son said dad I don't want to hear spiritual instruction from you ever again Or something to that effect. Friends, there's a powerful force there. And again, the Bible does not call us to say, well, you know what? I better quit teaching because I have so much room to grow. No, we need to make improvements. We need to make changes where we need to and keep on teaching. I believe the Bible is very clear on that. And number three. Or the second thing I have here, and it's the third point under fathers, but the second thing in Howard to lead out, and that is to lead out in sacrificial love and unselfishness. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28, and the Bible tells us something of Jesus. We already referred to him and how he came and how he led. But in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, it says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And again, I say we as fathers are to set an example to lead out in sacrificial love and unselfishness. And we could turn back to Ephesians 5. I don't think we'll read the verses, but at least three times the Bible calls for the husband to love his wife. And I believe the Bible would be clear. It doesn't spell it out in, his exact, in the exact words, but we're to love our families as well. And we're to be leaders that lead out in in areas of sacrificial love and unselfishness. And I wonder where that finds us as fathers or those that will one day be fathers. What's it like in our homes where the mother is so often called to give and give and give? What about us as fathers? I was was at a home not too long ago, and, and I didn't investigate. I didn't ask any questions, but I went in to get something. And it looked like the father was out adding some gadget to his truck and the mother was inside working and as I went away and as I've pondered it since I thought you know how often is that a picture in our home where we're out with our toys we're out with our recreation and our hobbies while mom is called to give and give and give and I wonder fathers is it time sometimes that we spend a little more time giving Jesus was willing to give whatever it took. And you know, fathers, sometimes it's easier to say, we'll give money. We'll give advice. You know the hardest things for us to give, the hardest thing for us to give sometimes is time. And I'm speaking to myself again, but the most needful at times. It's time. We're to lead out in sacrificial love and unselfishness. Well, maybe mothers thought that there's nothing for them. It's all for fathers. But I do have some for mothers. Just some things to think about. And as I consider tonight the pattern that God put in place in the home, it's a beautiful, beautiful pattern. That when husbands and wives work together together, in harmony it's a beautiful picture maybe you've heard the example of draft horses I grew up with draft horses in fact I have a memory of when I was 12 or 13 years old I was trying to I don't know was I trying to put the bridle on or something and all at once this horse took a step and my foot was right where his foot landed and he brought that weight down on my foot those horses weigh a lot But I understand that a a draft horse by itself can pull about 8,000 pounds. Now, I heard this in a devotional, and and so I looked it up, and and this is is what I read. It's a little hard to believe. But you add a second horse to the team, and instead of going to 16,000-pound capacity, it goes to a 24,000-pound capacity. Not double, but triple. And as I looked at that, I I was reminded of the verse in Ecclesiastes 4.12, the last end of the verse there, where it says, A threefold cord is not quickly broken. When it's man, woman, and God. Man, woman, and God's blessing. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And a father is called to bear the load of being a leader in a home. But a mother from the very beginning has been called to bear the responsibility of helper. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him or a helper comparable to him. And I think of the many times, in fact, tonight, I think I can safely tell you that if it wasn't for my mother's prayers, I have serious doubts that I would be here this evening, that I would be here tonight. I had a mother that loved and cared, and as I think about the many times I was influenced by that power of a loving and praying mother, and the many times my wife has been able to accomplish things and help in situations where I couldn't, And I say there's a beautiful place for mothers in the function of a home. And I'm here to encourage you to be the mother that God designed you to be. I think it's so critical. I don't think we can overestimate the power of a godly and praying mother. God will often stir a mother's sensitivity and use her love and compassion and prayers to tremendously impact her family. Tremendously impact her family, in ways that you may not even know all the benefits or all the things that have come from that in your lifetime. But again, I don't think we can overestimate the power of a godly mother. There's the account of of Abigail in First Samuel twenty-five, and you know the account there where where David was upset and and he had been um, <clears throat> he had been ridiculed by Abigail's husband. And and the Bible says he was churlish, I believe, and he behaved himself foolishly. And Abigail came out and kind of pacified or, or calmed down the situation. And the Bible says of Abigail, she was of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. And God had given her understanding and wisdom. And I believe today he gives mothers much understanding and wisdom when they're in their God-given place and roles. We could think about the negatives just a little bit tonight as well. And I don't know that we'll turn to the scriptures, but there's the example in 2 Chronicles 15, 16, and I bring these out to say that that so often that sensitivity will, will cause a mother to do one or the other things, to take it to a positive level or to a negative level. There's the example of Asa's mother, and, and you know, she had an idol there, and that idol needed to be destroyed when Asa came into ruler. ruler When he became a ruler, that idol needed to be destroyed. There's that account we're familiar with in First Kings 21, where Jezebel, you know, she used that power of influence in such a terrible way. And the account in 2 Chronicles 22, verses 10 to 12, when Athaliah, and you see the picture of a mother there that wanted control, and it's not a nice picture. This mother wanted control. And the Bible says she slew all the seed royal. She was ruthless, and she wouldn't stop. It says she slew all the seed royal. She wanted control. And I I just want to encourage you as mothers tonight in the home, When that sensitivity causes the mother to become vocal and tear down her husband, perhaps tear others down, the end result will be chaos and collapse. God never designed for that sensitivity to take a mother that direction. I'm reminded of the wife that said, you know, she was wanting her husband to do something and she kept telling him, you need to do it, you need to do it, Till finally she realized, she said, you know, I sense God telling me, you're speaking so loudly in his one ear that he can't hear me talking, and she quit talking and started praying, and I believe you know the end result. She got exactly what she wanted. Now, am I saying it's always that easy? We're probably often too stubborn, but the Bible still makes it clear, and I believe there's a beauty there when that mother, you, you look at the mother in Proverbs 31, where It talks about her arising. In fact, let's turn back there. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31. It's the picture of a mother that is functioning in the home and she's tending to the needs of her household. And we'll start in verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her excuse me, to of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised, giver of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. And friends, there's what I want to encourage you tonight in as mothers is take those burdens, take that sensitivity, and take it to the cross of Jesus Christ and let it drive you to your knees and pray. And I don't have to tell you, I'm sure it's down here just as well as it's up there up there in Ohio, but this whole thing of social media where mothers are spending hours and hours and hours uh, uh, blogging and sending things all over the place and letting people know things that they really don't need to know, excuse me. And I'm not saying there's not legitimate usages for it when you're connecting with your friends, but friends tonight, I don't believe God intended for that sensitivity to drive mothers to the phone, to gossip, to slander, to control. As can so easy happen, you know, today we can send messages here and there. We can do things that quickly. That years ago took, and it's hard for you to fathom, but I still remember the day well when a letter would take three, four, five days. The news was a little stale when you got it. But that's probably fast compared to how some people remember it that are here tonight. But let's keep going to our knees. And and right here in this pulpit, years ago, I don't know what year it was, but we had revival meetings, and I believe... These words were said, if I remember them correctly, where it was talk, the evangelist was talking about a mother's role or a wife's role, and he said, it's okay to nag. That's okay. But nag God and speak respectfully to your husband and don't get it reversed. We as men have tendencies that come up very, very quickly. I think I could, I could ask all of them. And we have tendencies that come up very, very quickly. And God gives us all different things to work through. And I believe mothers, women can have tendencies as well. But tonight there's something that's so precious. And that is, as you look at the New Testament, we plan to use Timothy tomorrow morning as we talk about church leadership but in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And friends, here were godly mothers in the home that, that they, I'm convinced tonight they could have chosen differently. The Bible tells us that Timothy's father was a Greek. It just says something like, but his father was a Greek. And I'm convinced these women could have chosen differently. They probably could have chosen Adam. They probably could have chosen bitterness, but the Bible says that that there was an unfeigned faith in them that dwelt in Timothy that dwelt first in his grandmother Lois and then in his mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in thee also. Paul was instructing Timothy, and that's where we plan to turn tomorrow, but think about the beauty of that. That instead of this, this bad picture, instead of the negative that would come out of all that, out of those attitudes that could have been there, here was a leader that was equipped to start leading the very, very early church when the Apostle Paul was ready to pass off the scene. What could the picture have been like? What would it have been like? Had Eunice and Lois chosen differently? And as we wrap this up tonight, I'd like to just encourage you, take courage. All of you, all of us, take courage. Let's take a godly stand in our homes and let's be who God wants us to be. And let's make sure, we didn't even go into this much, but let's make sure that there's love in our homes. You know the Bible talks in 1 Peter 4.8? It says and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. The Bible tells us to put on charity, to make it a part of us. Something that that becomes a part of us that wraps around us. It also talks to us about being clothed with humility and being kind. And I want to I want to Suggest tonight as we think about leadership in the homes and as we think about the areas where we failed, but let's make sure there's fervent love, charity, kindness in our homes. It's kind of the oil and the grease that that make things flow smoothly. You know, and I I encourage you tonight as well, have a vision for your children that they're not going to come out of your homes the way so many children have come out of our Mennonite homes, if I may say that. And done things that were very, very unfortunate. I recently heard of a case. In fact, our former school principal shared this in school. He said, you know, they went to school with this family that was, well, they were just different. He didn't go into details. But he went on to talk about how they were treated by the other Anabaptist children. And you know what grips me tonight is this. Perhaps God brought this family into this Christian day school setting so that they could experience something different and instead they experienced what you would expect to experience in the world. But this was supposed to be a Christian home. And tonight I wonder, I hear stories, I hear far too many stories, and I wonder are we taking our, taking our leadership roles tonight when it comes to mockery and it comes to making fun of people and treating people unkindly? What are our children hearing? What kind of teaching are they hearing? As we think about leadership tonight, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, Lord willing. But God calls leaders. In fact, if we go back to that original, the meaning from the dictionary. It says, the art of motivating a group of people to act toward achieving a common goal. That's something that is always present in leadership roles that God designed. As we think about Moses, and we plan to talk some about him tomorrow, but there was a goal. And the question comes to us as leaders in our homes, what's our goal? What do we want for our families? What do we want for our children? We need to have a goal, an end goal in mind. In closing, I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. And just encourage us where it says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May we take that to heart, that God wants us to, to come to every good work. God wants us to be faithful where he's called us, whatever role he's called us, whether as a a youth or a single in the home or a mother in the home or a father in the home or grandparents, whatever the case may be, God wants us to be faithful until the day of Jesus Christ.